0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read Hood Classics and Good Classics. I'm Derek. 916 633 1537, and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read Hood Classics and Good Classics. I'm Derek. 916 633 1537, and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. I don't know how y'all feel about this book. I love it, personally. Uh, But even more important than that to me is the fact that I am on my third day in a row doing a show. It hasn't been like that since, like, February of this year, maybe March, because I had so much other stuff going on. And it's nice to be able to get back to this. Get back to the love, you know. So... It's a children's book, y'all. I hope y'all are enjoying it. I hope your kids are enjoying it because they should get a blast out of it. But, yeah, I- I'm having fun. Chapter 21, Ron. Ron had curly hair and little feet. I want to play kickball, he said. You can't play, said Terrence. Get out of here, said Dee, Dee Scram, said Jason. I want to play kickball, said Ron. Well, you're not playing, said Terrence. Beat it. Ron stomped across the playground to the hopscotch area. Jenny was playing hopscotch with Lewis. Jenny was on nine. Lewis was still on four, but it was his turn. I want to play kickball, Ron said. So go play kickball, said Lewis. Terrence won't let me play, said Ron. Lewis walked with Ron to the kickball field. Hey, what about our hopscotch game, Jenny asked. You won, said Lewis. I just beat Lewis in hopscotch, Jenny announced. Leslie, Rondi, and Allison flocked around her. Hey, Lewis, Damien shouted. Do you want to play kickball? All right, said Lewis. Ron and I will both play. No, said Terence. Ron isn't playing. Anyone who wants to play can play, said Lewis. No, he can't, said Terence. It's my ball. It isn't your ball, said Lewis. You gave it to me, said Terence. I gave it to you to share, said Lewis. If you can't share it, you can't have it. Oh, all right, said Terrence, but I get to pitch. Ron and I will stand everybody, Lewis announced. For those of y'all who are unsure of what that means, it's a 90s term. Stand means it's just you and whoever you say versus everybody else. It's me and you versus the world. Which is fine in certain sports, but in kickball, two people, there's a lot of places to cover. For there to be two people, stand everybody. That's okay. All right, said Jason. We'll murder them. We'll kill them, said Didi. Dee Dee. We'll smash them, said Myron. We'll see, said Lewis. Ron pitched, and Lewis played the other eight positions. Twenty minutes later, they finally got three outs. The score was 21 to nothing. <laughs> Ron was up first. Infield in, shouted Damien. Everybody moved within 10 feet of home plate. All right, Ron, Lewis shouted. Kick it over their heads. Ron kicked the ball only three and a half feet. Todd picked it up and threw him out. Lewis was up. Everybody ran back to the edge of the outfield. Still, Lewis kicked the ball over their heads for a home run. Everybody ran all the way back in again for Ron's up. He kicked the ball only two feet. DeeDee Dee tagged him out. Lewis kicked another home run. Ron then kicked the ball a foot and tripped over it on his way to first base, three outs. Ron and Lewis held the other team to only five runs the next inning, but that was because the bell rang, lunch was finally over. Lewis and Ron lost twenty-six to two. Ron had a wonderful time. The next day, Ron said, "I want to play kickball." "You can't play," said Terence. "Get out of here," said Jason. "Scram," said Didi. I want to play kickball, Ron told Lewis. Lewis walked with him to the kickball field. Ron and I will stand all of you. Everybody liked the teams. Ron pitched while Lewis played the other eight positions. They lost 57-2. After the game, Lewis took Ron aside. Listen, Ron, he said, why do you always want to play kickball? You can't kick. You can't field. You can't even run the first base. You just get smashed every game. Hey, now wait a second, said Ron. Don't go blaming it all on me. You're half the team too, you know. And with that, he punched Lewis in the stomach. And he punched a heck of a lot harder than he kicked. Chapter 22, The Three Erics. In Miss Jule's class, there were three children named Eric. Eric Fry, Eric Bacon, and Eric Ovens. They were known throughout the school for being fat. Eric Fry sat at this end of the room, Eric Bacon sat in the middle of the room, and Eric Oven sat at that end of the room. There was a joke around Wayside School that if all three Erics were on the same end of the room at the same time, the whole school would tip over. Eric Bacon hated jokes like that. That's not surprising. After all, he wasn't even fat. In fact, he was the skinniest kid in Miss Jewel's class. But nobody seemed to notice. The other two Erics were fat, so everybody just thought that all Erics were fat. But I'm not fat, Eric Bacon insisted. What's your name? asked Jason. Eric, said Eric Bacon. Then you're fat, Jason concluded. And pretty soon, skinny little Eric Bacon, the skinniest kid in Miss Jewel's class, had the nickname Fatso. Eric Fry really was fat. He was also the best athlete in Miss Jewel's class. His body was solid muscle. However, nobody ever noticed. The other two Erics weren't very good at sports. Eric Ovens was clumsy. Eric Fat So Bacon was a good athlete for his size, but because he was so skinny, he didn't have much power. So naturally, everybody just assumed that Eric Fry was also clumsy and weak. After all, his name was Eric. Whenever the other kids chose up teams, Eric Fry was the last one picked. They never noticed his home runs or the fabulous catches he made. Like all great athletes, he made the impossible look easy. Of course, the other kids did notice the one time that he dropped the ball. Eric Fry was playing right field. Terence belted a deep fly to left. Eric Fry raced all the way across the field after the ball, and at the last second, dived at it. He caught it in midair on his fingertips. But as he hit the ground, the ball squirted loose. Well, what do you expect from Butterfingers, said Steven. And since that time, Eric Fry has had the nickname Butterfingers. Eric Ovens was the nicest person in Miss Jewel's class. He treated everyone equally and always had a kind word to say. But because his name was Eric, everybody thought he was mean. Fatso was mean because everybody called him Fatso. Butterfingers was mean because he always had to play right field. So naturally, everyone just assumed that Eric Ovens was also mean. They called him Crabapple. Good morning, Allison, said Eric Ovens. How are you? Lay off, Crabapple, will you? Answered Allison. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. All three of the Erics had nicknames. It was better that way. Otherwise, when someone said, Hey, Eric, no one knew to whom he was talking. One time, all the Erics would answer, and the next time, none of them would answer. But when someone said, Hey, Crabapple, then Eric Evans knew they were talking to him. And if someone said, Hey, Butterfingers, Eric Fry knew they meant him. And when someone said, hey, fatso, Eric Bacon knew that he was being called. Chapter 23, Allison. Allison had pretty blonde hair and always wore a sky blue windbreaker. Her windbreaker was the same color as her eyes. She was best friends with Rondi. Rondi had blonde hair too, but she was missing her two front teeth. Allison had all her teeth. Allison used to say that she knocked Rondi's teeth out. Allison was very pretty, so all the boys in Miss Jewel's class teased her, especially Jason. But Allison said, Leave me alone, or I'll knock your teeth out like I did Rondi's. The boys didn't bother her after that. One day, Allison brought a tangerine for lunch. She took the peel off in one piece. Miss Mush, the lunch teacher, walked up to her. Allison, may I have your tangerine? She asked. Miss Mush always gave food to the children, so Allison was happy to give her tangerine to Miss Mush. Miss Mush shoved it in her mouth and swallowed it in less than four seconds. Allison left the lunchroom and walked down to the library. The lunchroom was on the 15th story. The library was on the 7th. Allison already had her book. She just went to the library because it was nice and quiet there. The librarian walked up to Allison. What are you reading? she asked. Allison told her the name of the book. That sounds like a good book, said the librarian. I never read that one. May I borrow it? The librarian always lent books to the children. Allison was glad to be able to return the favor. She gave the librarian the book, then walked down the stairs outside to the playground. All of Allison's friends were playing freeze tag. Allison didn't feel like playing. She reached into the pocket of her sky blue windbreaker and took out a tennis ball. She bounced it a couple times on the ground. Lewis came up to her. Hi, Allison, he said. May I play with your tennis ball? Lewis always gave balls to the children. Allison happily gave her ball to Lewis. Lewis threw a ball all the way to the other side of the playground. Then he went chasing after it. Allison didn't feel like doing anything. Jason ran up and tagged her. You're frozen, he said. Get out of here before I knock your teeth out, said Allison. Jason shrugged his shoulders and left. Allison went back inside and up the 30 flights of stairs to Miss Jules' room. The lunch period wasn't over yet, but Allison didn't feel like doing anything else. She had given her food to the lunch teacher, her book to the librarian, and her ball to the yard teacher. She went inside the classroom. Miss Jules was there. Oh, Allison, I'm glad you're here, said Miss Jules. I'm having trouble with an arithmetic problem. Maybe you can help. Sure, said Allison. Miss Jules always helped the children with their problems. Allison was happy to help. How do you spell chair? said Miss Jules. C H A I R, said Allison. Yes, that's right, said Miss Jules. I knew it wasn't C H A R E, but I couldn't remember what it was. That's not an arithmetic problem, said Allison. That's spelling. Yes, you're right again, said Miss Jules. I always get the two mixed up. The bell rang. The lunch period was over. Allison could hear the other children running up the stairs. Allison, said "Miss Jules, you learned a very important secret today, and I don't want you to tell any of the other children, not even Rondi. What was that? asked Allison. She didn't even notice she had learned a secret. She loved secrets. You learned that children are really smarter than their teachers, said Miss Jules. Oh, that's no secret, said Allison. Everybody knows that. Chapter 24, Damien Damien had hazel eyes with a little black dot in the middle of each of them. The dots were called pupils. So was Damien. He was a pupil in Miss Jules' class. Miss Jules was about to show the class a movie. She turned out the lights. When it was dark, Damien's pupils got bigger. Damien, said Miss Jules, run downstairs and ask Lewis if you'd like to see the movie with us. Damien ran down the thirty flights of stairs to the playground. He stepped outside as Lewis was hooking up a tether ball. Hey Lewis, Damien called. Do you want to see a movie in Miss Jules' class? Lewis rubbed his chin. What movie? he asked. Damien shrugged his shoulders. I don't know, he said. I'll be right back. Damien ran all the way back up the stairs to the thirtieth story. Lewis wants to know what movie, said Damien. Does he want to know the name of the movie or what the movie's about? asked Miss Jules. I don't know, said Damien. I'll ask him. Damien raced back down the stairs and out to the playground. Lewis, do you want to know the name of the movie or what the movie's about? he asked. The name, said Lewis. Okay, said Damien. Damien hurried back up the thirty flights of stairs. He took the stairs two at a time. He wants to know the name, said Damien. Turtles, said Miss Jules. Damien turned around, took a deep breath, and then ran back down the stairs. Turtles, Damien told Lewis. Hey, that might be good, said Lewis. What's it about? I'm not sure, said Damien. I'll find out. Damien raced back up the stairs, but first he stopped to take a drink of water. What's it about, Miss Jules? asked Damien. Turtles, said Miss Jules. Damien rushed back down the stairs to tell Lewis. Turtles, said Damien. No thanks, said Lewis. I don't like turtles. They're too slow. <coughs> Damien lowered his head and slowly walked up the 30 flights of stairs. His legs were sore, he could hardly breathe, and his side ached. By the time he got to Miss Jules' class, the movie was over. All right, class, said Miss Jules, I want everyone to take out a piece of paper and a pencil and write something about turtles. Damien missed the movie, but he still could have written something about turtles. Turtles are too slow. But now he couldn't find his pencil. It just wasn't his day. What's the matter, Damien? asked Miss Jules. I can't find my pencil, said Damien. "'Class, Damien's pencil is missing,' Miss Jules announced. "'What did it look like, Damien?' she asked. "'It was long and yellow,' said Damien. "'It had a black point at one end and a red eraser at the other.' "'I found it,' said Todd, "'here by the blackboard.' "'Yes, that's it,' said Damien. "'No, here it is in the corner by the waste basket, said Crabapple. "'Hmm, maybe that's it,' said Damien. "'Here it is,' said John. "'It's been in my desk the whole time.' No, here it is in my hand, said Joe. I found it, said Rondi. Here it is, said Allison. I have it, laughed DJ. I found it, said Myron. Which one is yours, Damien? asked Miss Jules. Damien studied each pencil. They all are like mine, he said. Fortunately, at that moment, Louis walked into the classroom. He handed Damien a pencil. You dropped this when you were telling me about the movie, said Louis. Thanks, said Damien. Okay, class, said Miss Jules. So that we have no more mix-ups, I want everyone to write their name on their pencil. Damien spent the rest of his day trying to write his name on his pencil. But Damien's pencil couldn't write on itself. It was just like his beautiful hazel eyes with the black dots in the middle. They could see everything except themselves. Chapter 25, Jenny. Jenny came to school on the back of her father's motorcycle she was late. Wayside school began at nine o'clock. It was almost nine thirty. She kissed her father goodbye and raced up the thirty flights of stairs in Miss Jules' room. I'm sorry I'm late, Miss Jules, but my father's motorcycle lost a there was nobody there. The room was empty. Hello? Hello? she cried. Miss Jules? Dana, Todd, anyone? There was no one in the room. Maybe I'm early, Jenny thought. She looked up at the clock. It was exactly 9.30. Oh, I hope they didn't go on a field trip without me. She looked out the window. No one was there, not even Lewis. Jenny didn't know what to do. She sat down at her desk. She watched the second hand go around the clock. I may as well catch up on my spelling, she thought. She opened her desk and took out her speller. M-U-D spells mud. Where is everybody? B-L-O-O-D spells blood. I hope nothing happened to him. B-L-A-C-K spells black. Jenny heard footsteps coming down the hall. She began to work very fast. H-A-C-K spells hack. S-M-A-C-K spells smack. Someone opened the door. Jenny turned around. "Ack!" She gasped. He was a man Jenny had never seen before. He had a black mustache and a matching attache case. Jenny jumped out of her seat. Get back in your seat, the man said. Jenny slowly sat down. The man walked over and sat down in Dana's seat, facing Jenny. He opened his attache case and removed some papers. What's your name, he asked her. Jenny, Jenny whispered. Jenny? The man repeated as if he didn't believe her. Well, it's actually Jennifer. Jenny for short, said Jenny. I see, said the man. He took the speller from Jenny's desk. Jenny's name was written across the top. He put the speller in his attache case. What are you doing here, Jennifer? He asked. This is my classroom, said Jenny. Are you sure? The man asked. Yes, I think so. I mean, where's the rest of your class? The man asked. I don't know, said Jenny. Maybe they went on a field trip. No, said the man. They didn't go on a field trip. Well, I don't know where they are, Jenny cried. I was half an hour late today, and when I got here, everybody was gone. Really? Did something happen to them? The man didn't answer her. He wrote something on a piece of paper. Tell me something, Jennifer. When you came to school today and saw that no one was here, weren't you somewhat puzzled? Yes, yes, said Jenny. What happened to them? If you're really so concerned and so puzzled, said the man, why did you work on spelling? I, I don't know, said Jenny. It would seem to me, the man said, that if a child came to school and no one was there, she might play games or walk around or go home, but certainly not work on spelling. Jenny began to cry. I didn't know what to do. I was late and had to ride on a motorcycle and nobody was here. And now you're asking me all kind of questions. And I'm afraid of what has happened to Dana and Miss Jules and Rondi and Allison. The man didn't understand one word she said. Jenny heard more footsteps. The man got up and opened the door. Two more men came in. One had a black mustache like the first man. The other man was bald. Jenny was frightened by them. "Does she know?" asked the newcomer with the mustache. "She claims she knows nothing," the first man answered. "She says she was late today, and when she got here, everybody was gone." "Do you believe her?" asked the man with the bald head. "I'm not sure. She was working on her speller when I walked in." He reached into his attache case and took out Ginny's speller. He handed it to the man with the bald head. The bald man read Ginny's name across the top of it. Tell me, Ginny, he said. Why are you the only one here? I don't know, said Jenny. Has this ever happened before? He asked. No, never, said Ginny. He gave Ginny her speller. Put this inside your desk, he said. Ginny put it away. I'm satisfied, said the man with the bald head. Okay, Jennifer, said the first man. You can go now. Jenny got out of her seat. Jenny, the bald man called. Jenny slowly turned around. Yes, she whispered. Next time, don't come to school on a Saturday. Chapter 26, Terrence. Terrence is a good athlete, but a bad sport. Rondy and Allison were playing two square with a red ball. Can I play? asked Terence. No, Allison replied. You have to let me play, Terence said. Lewis said we have to share the balls. Well, we're not sharing with you, said Allison. Oh, let him play, said Rondi. All right, said Allison. We'll play three square. You better play right. I will, said Terence. Allison bounced the ball to Rondy. Rondy bounced it over to Terence. Terrence caught it and kicked it over the fence. You have to go get it, said Allison. Shut up, Dixie Cup, Terrence answered. Rondi ran and told Lewis. DJ and Damien were playing basketball. oh here comes Terrence, said Damien. Hey, let me play, said Terence. Get lost, Terrence, said Damien. You have to share the balls. Lewis said so, said Terence. Okay, but just throw it in the basket. Don't kick it, said Damien. I won't said Terrence. First, Damien took a shot. It bounced off the backboard and threw the hoop. Next, DJ took a shot. He threw it underhand, way up in the air. It came down through the hoop without touching the rim. Then, Terrence took a shot. He kicked it over the fence. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot, said Damien. Take a train, peanut brain, Terrence answered. DJ went and told Lewis. Steven, Calvin, Joe, John, and Leslie were playing spud. Steven was it. Everybody else had a number. Steven had to throw the ball up in the air and call out a number. The person who had that number had to try to catch it. Can I play? asked Terrence. No, said Calvin. You'll just kick the ball over the fence. No, said Joe. No way, said John. No, said Leslie. Sure, said Steven. Newcomers were it. He gave the ball to Terrence. Just throw the ball in the air and call it a number between one and five. Okay, said Terence. The children formed a circle around Terrence. A million, yelled Terrence as he kicked the ball over the fence. What'd you do that for, asked Stephen. Eat a frog, warthog, said Terence. Stephen ran and told Lewis. Terrence looked around. There was nothing to do. There were no balls left. Lewis walked up to him. He was followed by Allison, Rondi, Damien, DJ, Stephen, Calvin, Joe, John, and Leslie. "'What's the matter, Terence? asked Lewis. "'There's no balls,' said Terence. "'Do you have a green ball?' "'No,' said Lewis. "'All of my balls have mysteriously disappeared.' "'Darn it,' said Terence. "'There's nothing left to kick.' "'Nothing left to kick?' asked Lewis. "'Oh, I don't know about that.' "'What do you think, Rondi? "'Is there anything left to kick?' "'Rondi thought a minute.' Then she smiled. Yes, there is something left to kick, she said. Well, where is it, said Terence. Let me check with Allison, said Lewis. Allison, is there anything left to kick? He winked at her. There sure is, said Allison. What, what, asked Terence. How about you, Damien, asked Lewis. Can you think of anything? Damien nodded his head yes. Well, what is it, asked Terence. He couldn't wait. DJ, we got anything around here to kick, asked Lewis. DJ smiled. Yes, we do, he said. Give it to me. Give it to me, Terrence demanded. I don't know if I should, said Lewis. What do you think, Calvin? Should I give it to him? I think you should, said Calvin. You heard Calvin, said Terrence. Give it to me. Not so fast, said Lewis. Leslie, should I give it to him? Oh, yeah. I think he deserves it, said Leslie. Leslie give it to me give it to me Terence repeated do you also think he deserves it Joe asked Lewis yes, I think so said Joe what about you John asked Lewis definitely give it to him John answered come on come on said Terence recess is almost over we'll leave it up to Stephen said Lewis whatever he says goes let him have it said Stephen you heard him Lewis said Terence let me have it okay said Lewis he picked Terence up and kicked him over the fence. Chapter 27, Joy. Joy had forgotten her lunch at home. It was lunchtime. She was hungry. She didn't have a meal ticket. If she had had a meal ticket, she could have had a lunch from Miss Mush, the lunch teacher. She would have to be terribly hungry to eat a lunch made by Miss Mush. Even an empty brown paper sack would taste better. But that's how hungry Joy was. Damien had not forgotten his lunch. He had brought a lovely turkey sandwich, a big piece of chocolate cake, and a crisp red apple. All he needed was a glass of milk. He could get that from Miss Mush. Miss Mush didn't know how to ruin milk. Damien left his lunch on his desk and went to the end of the milk line. Joy didn't waste any time. She reached into Damien's sack and took out the apple. But then she spotted the turkey sandwich. She put back the apple, took the sandwich, and noticed the chocolate cake. She put back the sandwich and took out the cake. But then Joy had second thoughts. She put back the cake. Then she grabbed Damien's whole lunch. First, she ate the sandwich. It was in a baggie. When she finished the sandwich, she placed the baggie on Jason's desk. Next, she ate the chocolate cake. It was wrapped in wax paper. She put the wax paper on Allison's desk. She ate the apple last. She placed the apple core on Dee Dee's desk. Then she put the empty sack on Calvin's desk. Damien returned with his glass of milk. Miss Jules, my lunch is gone, he called. I wonder where it could be, said Miss Jules. Calvin took it, said Joy. There's an empty sack on his desk. Good work, Joy, said Miss Jules. Calvin, I'm ashamed of you. She wrote Calvin's name on the blackboard under the word discipline. Look. The baggie from Damien's turkey sandwich is on Jason's desk, Joy called. Very good, Joy, said Miss Jules. But how'd you know that Damien had a turkey sandwich? I'm just smart, said Joy. Miss Jules wrote Jason's name on the blackboard under Calvin's. And there's the wax paper from the delicious chocolate cake on Allison's desk, Joy announced. Joy had chocolate all around her lips. Allison stood firm. She looked into Miss Jules' eyes. I didn't eat his cake, she said. The evidence is there on your desk, said Miss Jules. Joy spotted it. She wrote Allison's name under Jason's. Damien's apple core is on Dee Dee's desk, said Joy. Very good, Joy, said Miss Jules. She wrote Dee Dee's name under Allison's. Damien, I think you ought to thank Joy, said Miss Jules. She solved the mystery. Thank you, Joy, said Damien. Just then Lewis walked in. I have your lunch, Joy, he said. Your mother brought it. You must have left it at home. You mean you didn't have a lunch, asked Miss Jules. You must be very hungry. No, said Joy. Not really. Since Damien didn't get to eat, he could have it. Thanks a lot, said Damien. You're the greatest. He ate Joy's lunch, an old bologna sandwich and a dried up carrot. Joy, for being such a good detective and for being so generous with your lunch, you may help yourself to a tootsie roll pop, said Miss Jules. They're in the coffee can on top of my desk. Joy took one. Then, when Miss Jules wasn't looking, she took another. Calvin, Jason, Allison, and Dee Dee had their names on the blackboard under the word discipline. But they were good for the rest of the day, so at two o'clock Miss Jules erased them. They forgot all about the whole thing. Damien had a lousy lunch instead of a great lunch, but five minutes later, it didn't make any difference. He couldn't taste it anymore, and he was full. He went outside to play basketball and forgot about the whole thing. Joy had a great lunch and two Tootsie Roll pops, but five minutes later, it didn't make any difference. She couldn't taste it anymore, and she was full, and at dinner time, she was hungry, just the same. But a horrible thing happened. Joy couldn't forget about stealing Damien's lunch, and for the rest of the year, Every turkey sandwich, piece of chocolate cake, apple, and Tootsie Roll Pop tastes like Miss Mush's porridge. Chapter 28, Nancy. Nancy had big hands and big feet. He didn't like his name. He thought it was a girl's name. None of the other children in Miss Jule's class thought that Nancy's name was odd. They didn't think it was a girl's name or a boy's name. Nancy was just the name of the quiet kid with the big hands and feet who sat over there in the corner next to John. Nancy was very quiet and shy. He was ashamed of his name. He only had one friend, a girl who went to class on the 23rd story of Wayside School. They were friends for a good reason. He didn't know her name, and she didn't know his. They just called each other Hey You, or just plain You. Nancy was afraid to ask his friend what her name was, because then he might have to tell her his name. He could never figure out why she never asked, but he was happy just to leave well enough alone. One morning, Nancy and his friend were late. When they got to the 23rd story, his friend's teacher was waiting outside. Hurry up, you're late, Mac, said the teacher. Nancy's friend turned red. She didn't move. Come on, Mac, shake a leg. Get the lead out, said the teacher. Your name is Mac, said Nancy. Mac was very pretty. She had red hair and freckles. She covered her face and ran into the room. My name is Nancy, Nancy called after her. Mac stepped back outside. I was ashamed to tell you my name, she said. Me too, said Nancy. Nancy's a girl's name. Oh, I think it's cute, said Mac. I like the name Mac, said Nancy. Mac is a boy's name, said Mac. My mother had a rich aunt named Nancy, said Nancy. That's why she gave me the name. My mother once had a dog named Mac, said Mac. Hey. Do you want to trade? Nancy asked. Can we? asked Mac. I don't see why not, said Nancy. Okay, said Mac. They both spun around 100 times in opposite directions until they were so dizzy that they fell over. When they stood up, Mac was Nancy and Nancy was Mac. They said goodbye. Then Mac raced up to Miss Jewel's room. He was no longer shy. Hi everybody, my name is Mac, he announced. I traded names, he held out his big hand. Todd jumped up and shook it. Hi, Mac, he said. Glad to meet you. How you doing, Mac, said Ron. Howdy, Mac, said Terrence. Nice to meet you, Mac, said BB. You traded names, asked Jason. Jason didn't like his name either. That's right, Jason, old boy, said Mac. Is that allowed? Asked Jason. Why not, said Mac. Hey, anybody want to trade? Jason called. I'll trade with you, said Terrence. He didn't like his name either. Wait. I'll trade with you, Terrence, Mauricia said. Mauricia didn't like her name. No, he's trading with me, said Jason. I'll trade with you, Mauricia, said Damien. No, thanks, said Mauricia. I'll trade with you, Damien, said Miss Jules. No, I want to be Miss Jules, said Stephen. turned out that nobody in Miss Jules' class liked their name. The children all spun around in different directions, so they got so dizzy that they fell over. And when they stood up again... Nobody knew who anybody was. What are we going to do, Miss Jules? Asked Leslie, who was really Eric Bacon. My name's not Miss Jules. It's Mauricia, answered Terrant, who was really Jason. It's not. I'm Mauricia, said Dee Dee, who was really Joe. You're both wrong, said Mauricia. I'm Miss Jules. This went on for an hour. At last, they figured out who the real Rondie was, because, you know, she was missing her two front teeth. After they figured out Rondi, they were able to get Allison pretty easily. And from there, they got DJ, Damien, and Miss Jules. She was the oldest one. Eventually, they figured out who everybody really was. They had some difficulty deciding which Eric was which. And actually, they're still not absolutely sure. Everybody just decided to keep their own name. The children didn't like them, but it made things much easier. Mac and Nancy kept their new names. But when they were together, they still called each other, hey you, or just plain you. Chapter 29, Stephen. Stephen had green hair. He had purple ears and a blue face. He wore his sister's pink dancing shoes and green leotards. The leotards matched his hair. He was all dressed up as a goblin for Miss Jewel's Halloween party. But unfortunately, it wasn't Halloween. "'Ha, ha, ha, you sure look stupid,' said Jason. Jason was Stephen's best friend. "'So do you,' said Stephen. "'Boy, are you dumb,' said Jenny. "'Halloween's on Sunday. Today's only Friday.' "'You're the one who's dumb,' said Stephen. "'Ha, ha, you probably come to school on Sunday. "'Miss Jules said we have the party today.' "'But none of the other children wore costumes. Only Stephen.' "'All right, class,' said Miss Jules. "'It's time for our Halloween party.' "'See,' said Stephen.' Miss Jules gave each child a cookie that looked like an orange witch with a black hat. She laughed when she saw Stephen and forgot to give him one. Stephen didn't ask for it. He was afraid she'd laugh again. The children finished their cookies in less than thirty seconds. All right, class, said Miss Jules, the party's over. We have a lot of work to do. Stephen felt like a fool. The party lasted less than a minute, and he had to spend the rest of the day wearing his stupid goblin suit. Look, Stephen's wearing his sister's leotards, laughed Dana. They're green just like his hair, said Fatso. Everybody laughed. Miss Jules began the arithmetic lesson. She wrote on the blackboard, 2 plus 2 equals 5. That's wrong, Joy shouted. Miss Jules tried again, 2 plus 2 equals 3. That wasn't right either. She added 2 and 2 again and got 43. It was useless. No matter how hard she tried, she could not get 2 plus 2 to equal 4. I don't understand it, she said. They've always equaled 4 before. Suddenly, she screamed. The chalk turned into a squiggling worm. She dropped it on her foot. Then all the lights went out, and the blackboard lit up like a movie screen. A woman appeared on the screen. She had a long tongue and pointed ears. She stepped off the screen and into the classroom. It was the ghost of Miss Gorf. Miss Gorf ran her fingernails across a blackboard. Trick or treat, you rotten kids! She said. Now I'll get even with every last one of you. Where's Todd? Who's that? Asked Miss Jules. Mrs. Gorf said. Damien. Who's Miss Gorf? Asked Miss Jules. She was the meanest teacher we ever had. Said Rondy. What happened to her? Asked Miss Jules. Louis ate her, said. Jason. Well, I'm not going to allow this. Said Miss Jules. Get out of my classroom! She demanded. It's Halloween, sweet teacher, said Miss Gorf. Ghosts can go anywhere they like. I've come for a little class reunion. But it isn't Halloween, said Miss Jules. Halloween is still two days away. I know, said Miss Gorf, but Halloween falls on a Sunday this year, so we're celebrating it on the Friday before. Stephen leapt up from his seat. See, I was right, he said. Today is the day we celebrate it, the Friday before. Miss Gorf proved it. He ran up to Miss Gorf. They all laughed at me and made me feel stupid because I was the only one who got dressed up. But we're the ones who were right. They're the ones who were wrong. He put his arms around Miss Gorf and hugged her. Miss Gorf gasped and disappeared. The lights came back on. Miss Jules picked up the piece of chalk from the floor. She wrote on the blackboard: two plus two equals four. That's good, she said. When two plus two doesn't equal four, anything can happen. All the children who had laughed at Stephen now called him a hero, but they told him to change out of the stupid costume. So at lunch, Stephen went home, washed up, and changed. He came back wearing blue jeans and a polo shirt. Of course, his hair was still green. It always was. Chapter 30 Louis, Louis had a red face and a mustache of many colors. He was the yard teacher at Wayside School. It was his job to see if the children didn't have too much fun during lunch and recess. And if you haven't already guessed, he's the one who wrote this book. On June 10th, there was a blizzard. Lewis was afraid that the children would have too much fun, so nobody was allowed outside. Class, said Miss Jules. After you finish your lunch today, come back up to the classroom. You're not allowed outside. The children all went to the lunchroom. Miss Musham made Tuna surprise. They looked at it, then hurried back up the stairs. There was nothing to do. Now, class, said Miss Jules, I know you're all bored, but I have a special surprise for you. Hope it's better than the tuna surprise, said Mauricia. Miss Jules continued, Lewis is going to come up and entertain us. He'll tell us a story. Now, I want you all to be on your best behavior. When Lewis walked in, all the children booed. Are you going to tell us a story? Asked Beebe. Yes, said Lewis. Well, it better be good, Beebe warned. It better be better than the tuna surprise, said Butterfingers. I thought the tuna surprise was good, said Lewis. You'd eat dirt if they put enough ketchup on it, said Mac. Hey, everybody, be quiet, said Todd. Let tell the story. Not too loud, Lewis, said Sherry. I'm trying to get some sleep. Lewis sat in the middle of the room, and all the children gathered around. Lewis began his story. This is a story about a school very much like this one. But before we get started, there's something you ought to know so you don't get confused. In this school, every classroom is on the same story. Which one? The 18th? asked Jenny. No, said Lewis. They're all on the ground. The school's only one story high. Not much of a school, laughed Damien. Lewis continued, now you might think the children there are strange and silly. That's probably true. However, when I told them stories about you, they thought that you were strange and silly. Us, the children answered. How are we strange? I'm normal, said Stephen. Aren't I? As normal as I am, Joe assured him. The children at that school must be crazy, said Leslie. Real Lulus, Mauricio agreed. Tell us about them, Louis, Bibi demanded. For one thing, Louis said, none of these children have ever been turned into an apple. That's silly, said Dee Dee. Everybody's been turned into an apple. It's part of growing up. Lewis continued, dead rats don't walk in the classrooms wearing raincoats. What do they wear, tuxedos, asked Todd. And girls never try to sell their toes, Lewis added. Well, no wonder, said Leslie, at today's prices. Lewis continued, they don't trade names to read upside down. They can't turn mosquito bites into numbers. They don't count the hairs on their heads. The walls don't laugh and two plus two always equals four. How horrible, said Damien. "'That's not the worst of it,' said Lewis. "'They have never tasted Mauricia-flavored ice cream.'" A hush fell over the classroom. "'Miss Jules, I'm scared,' said Allison. "'Is there really a place like that?' "'Of course not,' said Miss Jules. "'Lewis was just telling a story.'" "'It was a good story,' said Leslie. "'I thought it was stupid,' said Kathy. "'I liked it,' said Rondi. "'It was funny.'" Miss Jules said, Lewis, it was a very entertaining story, but we don't really go in for fairy tales here. I'm trying to teach my class the truth. That's all right, said Lewis. I have to go down to room 29 now and tell them a story. He started out the door. Class, said Miss Jules. Let's all thank Lewis for his wonderful story. Everybody booed. The end. So, when that book came out, it was 1978. I just realized that, like, I wasn't even born when this book came out. 78, jeezy peasy. I thought it came out in the 90s. I started reading it, like, 1990 and thought it was the best. But 1978, wow. It's a classic. Huh. Didn't even know that until just now. And there's continuations to the book, so I'll read those later on. I I really do enjoy this series. Uh, it made me feel good to read it after that debacle that I went through last month and the six months prior to that. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Wretched at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Wretched Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts. And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to holler you later. Peace.